1: Hello and welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris. Now you may recognise my guest today from the small screen, playing the character of Jade Mitchell on Channel Ten's Neighbours. But after becoming frustrated with the unpredictability of the entertainment industry, actress Gemma Pranita decided to take control and launch her own business. In 2016, she launched an online course called Photography 101, teaching beginner photography. The most recent student intake actually sold out overnight. Now, that means she's successful. She's doing pretty well. I'm going to ask Gemma about how she made the transition from acting into starting her own career. Now, that's a, it sounds easier than you think. Um, I want to talk to her about all the various transitions. Most importantly, how she got into acting in the first place. What are the skills she got out of acting? How important is acting in terms of being able to be a good storyteller? Because the best and most successful people in life are storytellers. The skill of storytelling how she transferred that skill of storytelling into storytelling through photography and how she took that skill into now running online photography courses. It's a beauty, it's a ripper. Let's get into it. Gemma Pranita.
2: Yes. Hi, Mark. Welcome
1: to the Mentor. How are you going, all right?
2: Yeah, good. Thank you for I having me. I see you're
1: pregnant. Is that widely known?
2: Yes, yes, it is. I'm over halfway.
1: Over so. halfway. So you're 20 weeks plus, huh?
2: Yes. How are you yeah. feeling? Oh, feeling it. Yeah. Feeling every kilo. Yeah, every that's kilo. it on.
1: That's all right. You look well. You look well. Thank you. So, uh, actually, today's an interesting one. Um, I mean, I guess it's rare that we get former actors and now gone on to uh, Instagram, sort of like a teacher.
2: I guess, yeah. To some
1: extent, that's what you are. Um, yeah. But I guess we're always acting, no matter what we're doing. True. we the whole. The whole business game is a game of acting.
2: It is, and I didn't realise that my whole acting career was actually leading to this.
1: We never realised that. I mean, I, but it is sort of acting is acting. It doesn't matter whether you're doing it in front of a TV screen or whether you're doing it in front of a, a mobile screen,
2: you're absolutely
1: or right. a, an iPad or whatever or a Facebook screen. So uh, let me just go, can I get, I mean, everybody knows you, but let, let me go back just a little way. Mm-hmm. You're only young, so there's not that far to go back.
2: Thanks, Mark. I'm actually 34 now. Wow. No, thank that's, you. That makes,
1: that, that makes me feel better. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're still very young, believe me. Um. So, but if you, can we go back just to talk about, you know, like people want to know what are the skills that I need to have in order to become what you are, Gemma Peanut? Yep. on your social environment, in terms of what your service that you're providing, you're selling, okay? And where does it come from? How does it start? And then most people say, oh, I'm going to do the same thing, but they don't realise that you spent time um, building skills up as an actress or as an actor. Yeah. How did you get into acting? How did it start? Where did it all come from? Were you a kid at school and thought, oh, I, can, I know I like getting up on the stage? How did it yeah, all work? Yeah,
2: absolutely. Um, well, for me, I definitely started as a Shakespeare geek in Year 7. What does that mean? Well, I just fell in love with theatre first through Shakespeare, right? And through Jacobean plays. And but how old were you? Uh, so we're going back to year seven.
1: Like so I couldn't I... even spell Jacobean at year seven. Like, <laughs> had you? had you? had you? That that that's to me that's out there. Even today, Is with it? Ki- Yeah, I reckon with kids. I mean, like you know, I don't know how many kids in year seven, but I would have thought it's out there. Certainly, my kids who are around your age.
2: I mean, in school in English, Shakespeare's just part of the curriculum. Yeah, and. I guess whenever we were studying a play, whether it was Romeo and Juliet or Hamlet or whatever, the teacher would always ask someone to kind of get up in the class and read the parts. And I was just that person. Me, who me, pick me, pick me. Yeah, pick yeah, yeah me, pick I me. just loved it. I loved what it. I loved the language. I loved kind of decoding Shakespeare because obviously it's poetry and figuring out what sort of the subtext is.
1: So, can I ask you this then? Were you a lover of poetry? I mean, did you? No. No.
2: And I'm not,
1: not today. A, not today. No,
2: it's just sort of Shakespeare but I like Chekhov as well which is like a Russian playwright. I now just you've feel got me, like stuff
1: me right now. I mean Chekhov <laughs> I should say yes yes I know what you're talking about but I don't. But let's stick to Shakespeare. Yeah, okay. I I, so I, do, I do remember him. Um It's
2: storytelling. And y- what I Yes, okay. Yeah. You
1: love storytelling. We love it. to hear someone else's story being told.
2: Correct. Which and one? Which one? In in the Shakespeare canon? Yeah. Oh gosh. Um Oh, uh, it changes all the time. Okay, today I will say my favorite is Macbeth. Right. Yeah, but it changes every week. I mean, I just I love it so deeply. And I so love I can, so many-
1: uh, well, let me just uh, dig a little bit deeper. Like, cause, I, mean, I mean, to be good at something you have got to love doing it. So that's yes. important. So I just want to know where this shit comes from. Like, uh, <laughs> were you, when you were a little kid, did you remember your parents reading to you no. all the time? No. Oh,
2: uh, yeah, I mean, my mum read to me a lot, and she used to do all sorts of accents, but there's no actors in my family. None, whatsoever. I'm the first. I'm the outlier. My mum was like, what? What? What is this that you want to do?
1: So well, just tell me, just, uh, j- can I just go back a little bit further? What's your background again? So there's Thai or something? In yeah, there? so
2: my father's Thai, my yep. mum's British. Yep. I was born in Thailand. Right. I lived there for 11 years and then I moved
1: to Australia. You were born there and lived there to age 11? Yep. And so like is it uh, a tradition in Thailand, notwithstanding one of your parents wasn't <laughs> Thai, to read to kids and to teach them... Storytelling, et cetera. I would imagine no, storytelling. No,
2: actually. In fact, the curriculum in Thailand, this is quite unique, or I guess people in Australia might find this really interesting, but it was a really weird schooling system where the entire country literally turned the page of what you learnt that day. And because it was for the entire population, I was learning about how to plant rice. Right. You know, on this day it was like agriculture, and then on another day it would be maths or whatever. So
1: it's the school system is very formulaic, is what you say. Very formulaic, and it's all and structured. uniform, yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and uniform, yeah,
2: literally to the day you're on page thirty-seven on agriculture.
1: So who was it? it was it was your mum sort of uh, inculcating and or? organically developing this storytelling thing? Is that, do you think? Yeah, Because I, I, mean, I mean, what do parents do for kids who they, who they would like to equip their kids for the future?
2: Yeah, I mean, I was that kid that was like, I'm going to put on a talent show at home and yeah, then yeah, invite. Seen those yeah, kids. Yeah, 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 exactly. I was that Dress annoyed. up,
1: da-da-da. Totally,
2: yeah. And everybody's
1: was- going to watch and, uh. Yeah, here she is, here, here comes jam, she's going to jump, she's going to start doing a song for us at Christmas exactly. time. Exactly,
2: I forced everyone, yeah, basically. Yeah. To... And
1: and, and you've realised later on in your life, like when I say later on in your life yeah. when you're like 13 or something, you're seven, that that's something that you do love doing. Did you actually, were you cognizant of the fact that you really like doing that stuff? And were you an outlier within your class? Did other kids sort of look at you, they're all run around playing netball or something and there's Gem, she's going to. Okay,
2: I, I think I was in a really unique year group where we had a lot of performing arts students. And that's just potluck. I think some years you get really sporty years, really academic, and I found my people really early on in school. Right. And there was about, I can honestly say, like 12 of us theatre geeks and choir geeks. Like I was in... What school um, were we
1: talking about here? Where where, where, did you grow up? Which um, area? Sydney. Queenwood. uh, Queenwood. Yeah. Where's that? In oh, Balboa, over the North Shore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, in yeah. The North Shore. I think my brother's kids went there, or something. Oh, yeah. Is it a girls' school? Isn't it? It's
2: an all-girls school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what I love about it is that it fosters whatever your interests are.
1: But it's one of those schools. As a, if pardon my um, reference, it's sort of fairly privileged, as I recall. In terms, you know, it's you know, it's privileged to the to the extent that if girls have an interest in something yep. in particular, it mm-hmm. gets fostered. Yes. And um, that's that's a luck thing that Definitely. you liked it, Yeah, together with your talent and your love. Yeah,
2: and it's funny. I wasn't actually meant to go to that school, but my when I moved to Australia, my parents enrolled me to a completely different school, a Catholic school, but my enrollment got screwed up and they were like, oh, crap, Jem needs to start school. We've moved to this other country and Queenwood was the only school that took me, so I ended up there.
1: But, yeah, but it's, it's, but it's good. that, that, that and, and this is a – I mean, I – I I don't want to get political now, but it is is a case where private schools give more opportunity to kids who have a talent and a passion than perhaps non-private schools, in other words, state schools. It's probably an example of that.
2: Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I, I feel kind of experienced in what you're talking about because I toured with the Bell Shakespeare Company for a year doing what's called Actors at Work. And you tour New South Wales for 12 months Performing, I did Romeo and Juliet, Midsummer Night's Dream, and Macbeth, and we went to Broken Hill schools there, and we did all the private schools. Just in to explain
1: to all our audience who the Bell Shakespeare yep. Shakespeare um, Company is. So it's uh, so the what's Bell company John Bell, Bell, John Bell, that's yep. right, mad Shakespearean actor.
2: Yep, he's incredible. Bell, Fantastic. I would say Australia Australia's treasure, you know, like totally. an Australian treasure when it comes to Shakespeare.
1: In, in terms of theatre? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, he certainly is. And he formed a Shakespearean company, call a company, but, yep. uh, which did they get kids and um, groom those kids to be great at their craft?
2: Well, the purpose of Actors at Work was to basically encourage children to fall in love with the storytelling side Mm. of Shakespeare, not make it like this great sort of literature work Mm. that you kind of need to geek out on. But actually, let's break down the storytelling of Romeo and Juliet, because in Shakespeare's work, he has covered every form of relationship in existence, whether it's betrayal with Iago, or you've got star-crossed lovers, whatever. It's in every single story. So let's
1: underline that word storytelling for the yeah. moment. I want to park that, okay? Because okay. that's really important. Yeah. Um, so you had a passion as a child for acting, but you had a, a greater passion where you understood the, the, the power and the force of storytelling. You then were in a position at a school where, in a, and this happens too, I, I get you, you're in a school where there happened to be a whole lot of kids within a year, in your year, fostered further growth in that. I mean, you could have been in a room where everybody wanted to play netball and you're the only kid out there. It would have made it a little bit more difficult. So you had some good friends who you can hang out with and do this sort yes. of, you know, play out this storytelling process Yeah. but build a skill at the same time. Yep. So how did you become an actor, like a, actually a professional actor, someone who was getting paid to act?
2: Yep. So when I was in year 12, my acting teacher at Queenwood, said you need to audition for the top drama schools in Australia. And he suggested NIDA in Sydney and WAPA in Western Australia, which is Western Australian Academy of Performing Arts, which Hugh Jackman's sort of famously known for attending.
1: And NIDA, of course, has got a lot of really famous oh, people Oh, absolutely.
2: Too. Oh, Kate Blanchett, just to, you know, drop a name yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> among many. But anyway, so I finished school, I auditioned for both and I got selected to go to WAPA.
1: Right. Are you... In West Australia? Yeah. Wow.
2: So I moved to Perth for three years.
1: At the age of 18 um, or something? 18. Well, yeah. I
2: turned 18 in my first year there because I was young for my year. Um, Can and... I just ask you,
1: Mel Gibson's famous for NIDA though, isn't he? Is, uh, is that NIDA? Who's famous yes. apart from Kate? I think Mel might be. I
2: think, yeah, no, he's a NIDA boy. Yeah, So I'm what we're sure. talking
1: about here is, what you're talking about here is getting into the top-ranking places to actually hone your skill. So Correct. like in your case, getting into the best institution to get the right skills and also to get knowledge about the, the subject matter. Correct. Further education, yes, tertiary further, education. Yes.
2: And the wonderful thing about acting school is they don't give a crap about your HSC results. They don't care what subjects you chose. It all comes down to your audition. And WAPA, for example, every year they accept nine boys and nine girls and they have about a 1,000 people auditioning. So it's seriously uh, competitive to get in. But what I loved about it is the students that I met there. So in my year of 18 students, only two were from WA. The rest flew in from Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane, Adelaide. And everyone was from every walk of life because it didn't matter. What your HSC results were.
1: So you did. Did you finish Whopper? I did. Yeah. Okay. So how did you get chosen to be? When how, how did you get <laughs> uh, sort of picked out of the crowd and put into Channel Ten? So okay. So what happens is
2: you you finish uh, three years and it all comes down to what's called your showcase yep. at the end of the year and it's your graduating performance and you tour it. So your showcase starts in WA and then we went to Melbourne and then we went to Sydney and at your showcase the school invites all the agents in right. each of those cities right. and they come, they watch you perform, you do scenes as well as filmed scenes called showreels to show your yep. sort of ability on screen as mm-hmm. well as on stage and then you have what's called go-sees where agents essentially, it's its a bizarre thing. You're like standing in a foyer after your showcase and then a bunch of agents walk up to you and are like, here's my card, here's my card. It's just like the most bizarre thing ever. And then you sort of follow up and have meetings with them and then if you're lucky, you're sort of given a few choices of agents and if you're not so lucky, you might sort of be lucky to get one agent. Sort of and,
1: and what happened What happened with you?
2: I was really lucky. I, I was given options. Right. Um, and I chose my agent who I'm still with, called Marquee Management. My agent's Matt Andrews. And I just adored them because they were like a boutique agency. They were niched. They had small but mighty actors. They didn't have 200 actors on their books. At that time, they only had 30. Who
1: was advising you? Like, who was telling you which direction to go? Like, oh, I just Gemma. went
2: with my gut. I, I met Matt, my agent, and I just thought, yeah, he believes in me. And Mom he was and Dad the f- wasn't there? No. Are
1: serious? That's cool.
2: No, I went solo.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's pretty good. Like, yeah. so you just went with how you feel.
2: Yeah, and also he was the first person who walked up to me in the foyer and handed me his card. You know, he might and have that... been the
1: shittest agent then and Then he had no one else to hand a card to. Like, how did <laughs> you get that sense that he <laughs> well, was the I right guy to go Well, I looked at his with... book
2: of actors, ah, and he go. had.
1: So you did some research. Of
2: course, I did. Yes, yeah. so, absolutely. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so, um, what, what you? How many years ago are we talking about now? That's ten um, years ago. That's
2: two thousand and twelve years ago. Seven?
1: Yeah, twelve years yeah. ago. Yeah. No internet. No, I mean you wouldn't know as if you're Googling. Oh well, no, there wasn't. There thing. was, but you weren't. Go- yeah, but it wasn't. It, you wouldn't have been walking around with a mobile phone or a, no, an iPad correct. or something. No, correct. No, and uh, therefore you weren't Googling and all that sort of stuff. No. So you had to do research.
2: Believe it or not, there was information online. All right. Um, and there's this book called Showcast, which right. is like the Australian Bible of actors, and you can go through and see who their agents are. Yeah, right. So I saw on Markey's book, you know, they had fantastic actors on there who I knew and recognized their work. And I thought, yeah, I want to be a part of that.
1: Okay. So I want to now, because I I, I I think it's important here. We're just going to take a pause for a second because I want to think about this. Three things I want to underline. First thing I want to underline is storytelling. And that's a critical part. I mean, and the storytelling was expressed through Shakespeare and that uh, your familiarity with what those stories are about and i mean as you just said the stories about everything that it can affect a human being you know mm-hmm. as you, you mentioned through you know things like uh you know courage right through to you know people being in love and what people do for love in terms of storytelling through to um jeopardy the ruthlessness etc you know you mentioned iago a moment ago so storytelling and all the virtues and both sins and virtues 1 2 Hard work and uh, taking a risk. Mm -hmm. So that's you going to live in West Australia on your own, making decisions and also doing your research. And the final one is research, actually knowing your topic. Knowing your topic means not just only knowing how to be an actor and understanding the concepts you just talked about at a young age, but it's also knowing who you're going to go and do your work with. So you've got to get, what was it called, marquee is it? Marquis, Q-U-E, yeah. Mark. Okay, Mark. So you did your research. Because, you know, like people who are looking at you now or listening to you now think, oh, she's lucky because, you know, look at she became an actor and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) But no, 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 no. There were some prerequisites to what you do today. There were prerequisites prior to you even becoming an actor. Yes. Well, like a, a paid actor. And an appreciation. I mean, how important... Do you think it is for a young person today? And you can now look back at a 20-year-old, 20-year-old self. How are you making me feel old? (laughs) How how important do you think those characteristics were? And why the hell did you have those characteristics and others don't? Where'd you get that from?
2: Oh, you know, it's it's really interesting because I look back actually and I don't think I had the work ethic or I don't know, keenness to kind of research things back at that age compared to what I do now. Yeah. Because acting in a way for me was, I don't want to say I was lazy, but I loved the idea of getting an agent because it meant I didn't have to think for myself.
1: Mm-hmm. No, that's getting an expert, but that's, that's, I reckon that's fine.
2: Okay. Well, I don't know. I guess it was. Well, you wouldn't,
1: if you're going to go do it, if you're going to set up a legal structure, you're not going to go and do it yourself and research. You're going to get a lawyer, aren't you? Uh, you know, or if you're going to do your sure, accounts, you're going to an accountant.
2: But if I were to compare then to now and that's all I have, mm. I do everything now and I want to know every facet of my business and what's going on and I'm hungry to learn. Back then I had my agent and it was, yes, sir, But no, you were in business then? No. Then you were
1: you're, then you're a talent.
2: Then I was a talent. Now, and now there's a I was difference. one cog to a huge Correct. machine.
1: Now you're in the business of talent. Yes. Then you were just the talent. And yep. young people got to work on their talent first. And talent is, it's not enough to be talented. You've got to actually add a skill to it. Absolutely. And the skill is you know how to express that talent. In other words, you know how to act. And you've got to know all the aspects about it. But biz, being in the business of that, you're right. You've got to do everything. But we're going to talk about when you turn 34. Yeah. But we're just talking about now when you're 20. How is it that you knew to outsource to the agent? How is it you just, was it was it just instinct? School.
2: Acting no, school. acting school. You I saw mean, it. You, have, uh, you observed he, it. Absolutely. I went to three years of training and, you know, when you follow a lot of actors' journeys, they live or die by their agent. It's very hard. It's
1: really good stuff you just said then. You know, like, uh, and I, I don't want to keep interrupting you. but you know, okay. I'm getting excited. Uh, last night I had a dinner with a young kid who's currently the Australian, he's a 22-year-old, same age as you would have been around at that time. He currently is the world junior IBF champion. He's a strange kid, mm-hmm. 22. And because uh, he's going down to defend his title in Melbourne on Saturday. And um, I had dinner with him and I sent him a text this morning and I said, Exactly what you just said. I said, Mate, you guys remember one thing. You're in a phase of developing your talent and skill. But one day, if you want to be the world's greatest, you've got to be like Floyd Mayweather. You've got to be in the business of boxing as opposed to being a boxer. And, but the thing you've got to do is you've got to just keep observing everything around you, just like you just said, just watching everybody else. Watching all the great fighters that, that who you know they're trying to look after him. Mm-hmm. You know, you you had Bell. He had uh, he's got Jeff Fennec, You know, like I mm-hmm. the, the, the yeah, mean, yeah. they're totally different people. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, no I know but, what you but, mean. but nonetheless, you yeah. know, learn from these elders.
2: Absolutely, learn
1: the skills and lo- just observe, watch everything is going on around you because this is the greatest time of your life, twenty-two to thirty-two. Yeah. This is when you're not only um, you can you, you have this opportunity because people say. Oh, there's Gemma. She is a talent, and what you don't realise is how valuable that is to you that someone even says that. Yeah. And and, oh, it, and I have
2: so much to say on the topic of validation.
1: Go go and on, say that,
2: it. Well, oh, well, no, it's just because I spent so much of my acting career seeking validation,
1: affirmation, How <laughs> affirmation. Good yeah, yeah, Tyra, uh, yeah, exactly. Explain that because 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 I can tell you, this kid's the same. He's really quiet. I watched him how to make a speech, and he got quite. Starstruck by yeah. everyone who was in the room, and mm. I just thought to myself, you know, that's that's okay to be that way. Mm. But he is looking for people to say, no, you are very good at what yeah. you, what you do. Your, your your craft is good.
2: Yes, and I was so, very much there. Tell once. me about that. Well, I guess uh, you know, actors generally do seek. There's a big part of it. Ego comes into play. I mean, actors kind of go into it for various reasons, whether it's to seek notoriety, fame money, whatever. I mean, for me, I can honestly say my roots were grounded in Shakespeare. So I wanted to go in for that storytelling element that you talk about. But I think, you know, when I went to LA to pursue acting after I finished on Neighbours, I found myself in a situation where I was just jumping through hoops to impress producers, casting agents, directors. And I just felt like I was never in the driving seat. I was just constantly Being like, like me, pick me, choose me. And what I want to sort of shout from the rooftops to anyone in a creative industry, whether you're an artist or a singer, a musician, an actor, whatever, is what you were talking about, be in the business of boxing Mm. rather than just be a boxer. Like I feel like saying to young people who are pursuing creative industries to really understand the business side of that, not just like I'm really good at this, yeah. so someone else will give me a leg up into the industry. No, you've got to find your own sort of leg up into it and we've got the resources now. Whereas back then in my early 20s, I feel like things weren't as accessible as they are now. You can create your own platform through social media or whatever, build your own audience, which you couldn't do back then, but now is the time.
1: I'm going to even take it one step further. You're not in the business of acting and in the case of this young fella, his name's Brock Jarvis, he's not in the business of boxing either. You're both in the business of entertaining. And in your case, your entertainment through storytelling. You know, you're not going to be any good unless you entertain me when I'm watching you on Neighbours or whatever the case may be. I want to know that you can tell me the story. That Even though the story's structured, it could be, you know, it's produced and directed and there's a, someone else writes the story. But still, you have to be able to tell me the story. And if I don't like the way you do it, I'm going to turn off watching you and neighbors and someone's going to work that out pretty quickly in your, uh, you know, the cast or whatever. They're going to sort of say, well, (laughs) jam, you've got to go. I mean the same in, same in uh, these kids, you know, got to work out, you know, I might be a great talent at boxing, but I want to be in the business of boxing. I'm in the business of entertaining. So I want to know your story. I want to know how'd you become Brock Jarvis? Um, You know, what have you had to do? Like, what is it about you that it makes you attractive to me? And, People who are listening to this show now too often just think, oh, she was an actor. She got it easy and she became what she's doing now, Gemma Peanut, like she's doing well now because of that. No, 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 no. Gemma actually maybe unconsciously recognised that there is an obligation to entertain people with her craft. Did you actually consciously understand that?
2: Absolutely not. Never did? No, I never did. Now? Absolutely. Now you
1: do. At 34, you do. You're still young. I mean,
2: (laughs) when I pivoted into a different career, which was photography, I mean, I had to do that, you know, as cliched as it sounds, but that rock bottom period where I was like, what the hell am I going to do? Because at that point, acting work dried up. I was burning through savings living in LA and just hanging on a hope that a job might come. And the most frustrating thing about acting, and I'm sure lots of actors, if there are any out there listening to this is that work ethic and being ultra prepared for an audition situation does not equal X. It equals question mark, maybe Mm. possibly potentially. And it was actually my husband who said to me, he was living in New York and I was living in LA and he said, babe, I just see you pouring so much work and you know, hard work into acting. He's like, You learn your lines, you organize the right outfit, you go and see an acting coach, you go and see an accent coach. I was doing all the things, turning up, delivering, and then it was, yeah, maybe, or I'd get pipped at the post. There's no prize for second place. You either got the job or you didn't. And he said to me, if you just poured that kind of work ethic into something you could control a little more, I feel like you could really soar. And I was like, no, nah, but acting's what I want to do. It's my first love. And I'd had this year, I remember where I thought, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Because I've poured my whole life into this. I'm not good at anything else. I hadn't studied anything else. I had no interest. I said to my parents, I don't have a plan B because if I have a plan B, I'll fall back on it. So if I don't have one, I have no choice but to pursue my plan A. And my mum was worried. I mean, she had so many sleepless nights over it. And then in the end I had to have that year of kind of self-discovery and realise. And fall down. Yeah, I had to, yeah. I had to fall down and it was hard and and shit <laughs> and there were lots of tears and because I didn't want to admit failure. And it's hard when you've been on a show like Neighbours, the expectations are, you know, you've got people carving the way like Margot Robbie went on Neighbours and then went on to do amazing things and she continues to crush it. But I got to a point where I was like, hang on, what am I What am I doing? But you can't
1: compare yourself to others. That's the biggest oh, absolutely. mistake ever. I mean, Comparisonitis. It, it, but you do do it. We all do it.
2: We all do it.
1: So I'll I, I tell you what's going to happen here. I want to just have a break now. Come back after the break. What I want to talk about, because you just raised a really important thing, this ability to let go, because that's not failure. Pivoting is... Success. Mm. That's to me.
2: I know that now, but at the time, you didn't
1: know it. But <laughs> you know, and people out there listening, there is a lot of people who are at that stage where they need to pivot. Yeah, because they're frustrated. That's a lot of our listeners have this idea of what you just talked about. So let's talk about the power of pivoting when we come back from the break. And let's talk about your new business, or not your new business—the business you are now in. Well, as usual, we've got Matt Holland here and he's from Mentor Business Sales, Business. If you want to talk to him, he's got a business for sale. What business are you going to talk to us about this week, mate?
0: Morning, Mark. We've got a uh, home styling business located in the northern suburbs of Sydney. It's um, basically run by one person. It's a good little bite-sized business for somebody to get uh, to get the teeth into. So what does that mean, like home styling? Like, like How do you find
1: your customers or your clients?
0: Yeah, typically they deal with real estate agents. So they've got a good um, referral network through those real estate agents who, who know that these people can deliver a great result. They'll style a property for the market.
1: And so basically people don't know how to set the houses up or get it set up to sell it. Essentially, essentially. And look, you know, uh, buy Get all that shit houses. furniture out. Let's change that all around. Is that right? Put a rug here and there, put, fix the curtains up, put a few little things around the joint to make it look nice. It's amazing. Absolutely. The finishing touches. So this business is on the northern beaches of Sydney- is that uh, right?
0: Most of the business they're doing is Northern Beaches and they're located in the northern suburbs, probably the upper northern suburbs.
1: Right. And uh, do you have to be an interior designer to have one of these businesses or has it all work?
0: Uh, absolutely not. It's all, um, it, it's beautifully templated. So good systems and processes there. Obviously, you know, an interest or a bit of a flair and, you know, putting some furniture around, but certainly not a home, you know, not an interior designer. What
1: but price are you talking
0: about? We're looking at less than $200,000. So and about of money to make. Um, About the same. So it's about wow. 150000 180000 profit a year. And i got about 220000 worth of uh, fairly new pr- uh, furniture.
1: Wow. So that that's sounds like a good deal. It looks like you're buying, looks like there's no goodwill. Effectively, you're paying for the furniture and the, the stock. And if there is goodwill, you get your money back in a year's time. I like that sort of formula. Generally speaking, I'd like to know that you're going to get your goodwill back within two years, but in this case, you're going to get your goodwill back in at least within one year. That's assuming you know, you're know you a diligent person, you know how to follow our systems. Well, we've got a home styling business. It's up for sale. If you want to hear more about this, go and talk to Matt Holland at mentored.business. If you want to list your business for sale, talk to this guy. If you want to go and buy a business, this sounds like a beauty, go and have a look at mentored.business and or talk to Matt Holland. Thanks, mate. Talk to you next week. Thanks, Mark. See you, mate. Okay, so I'm back here with Gemma. We've just covered off a whole lot of stuff about how she built a skill base. One of the things where we got to is that moment in her life when she had a shit 12 months, uh, one of those terrible years. We all have them. And the power of pivoting, she made a decision. Maybe you should tell me the story. Like why did you pivot? How did you pivot? How how did you get this idea? Where was the ideation? Where did it come from?
2: Okay, so uh, when I was in LA, I... Had a lot of time on my hands because, you know, my day-to-day depended on whether I had an audition or not. Were you
1: married then or just seeing your current husband? Yeah. <laughs> your husband.
2: <laughs> we were just dating. And um yeah, so it's it's interesting again, being an actor in LA, you're on a very specific visa that doesn't allow you to work in a, any other field other than acting. Wow. So I was living on my savings and I was idle. I had so much time on my hands. It was ridiculous. I think back to that time and think, man, if I could just steal those hours back now. And I'll never forget this. I was walking up Runyon Canyon with a friend, Claire Holt. And I remember saying to her, Claire, I I don't know what to do. I'm not getting any work, but photography. So I should preface this by saying I discovered photography as a hobby and I was photographing friends for fun. And where uh, was
1: Instagram at that point? I mean, um,
2: Instagram was starting out. Yeah. Starting so out. it was becoming a thing. And what was happening was suddenly there was a demand for photos. People wanted photos of themselves. And I was like, I'll take some photos. So of they you. can put it on Instagram. So they can put on Instagram. And or
1: Facebook, I guess. And or Facebook. Yep, yep.
2: And so I shot the first person I ever photographed was my girlfriend, Renee Barge, in LA. And she posted it to her Instagram. So she's a presenter on Extra in LA and she would tag me in the images um you know photo by yeah, yeah. at Jim peanut
1: which is sort of yeah, yeah. where did that name come from
2: oh cuz Pranita well Pranita auto corrects on the iphone to peanut ah, if you right, type okay. it in got yeah it. it's a really silly story but now it's funny cuz no, i thought it
1: might have been something to do with uh, peanuts in thailand or anyway, oh, got it? i
2: i wish it was you know something as cool as that but no it's as basic as what no, i just no, said no no that's a good story <laughs> um So anyway, and then, you know, she tagged me and then suddenly other people were like, can you shoot me, can you shoot me? And I was doing it all for free, for fun, and not realising that the more shoots I was doing, the more I was developing my creative eye and artistry and sort of language. And also reputation. Yeah, not realising it. It was purely a time (laughs) pass, if I'm honest. And then suddenly I was getting asked to shoot by brands while I was in LA and I remember feeling sort of that imposter syndrome, I was like, oh, my God, they're, like, asking me for my rates. So I don't have rates, so I'm going to just pull a number out of my ass yeah, and entirely, see how I but go. Of course I got rates. <laughs> and the other thing was I had to sort of say to these brands, I'll do it for a big discount for cash in hand because I was yeah, on the yeah. O-1 visa. Because this
1: is considered, would that be considered working or something? You can't be a Illegally, contractor. yeah, you exactly. Be a contract- no, you can't. Oh, I wow. couldn't do
2: anything but acting. So All I was right. doing a lot of under-the-table jobs
1: no one's listening. Don't worry. Well, not Americans. <laughs> well, actually, they are. Podcast one oh, is in America. Jesus. This goes to Mom's America. I'm screwed. Too late. No, Too you, late. You I'm got back in Australia. You you're, can't okay, kick me good. out.
2: Um, and, uh, yeah, so anyway, going back to walking up Runyon Canyon with my friend Claire and I said to her, I don't know what to do. I'm chasing this acting dream and photography is just constantly banging on my door. But I don't want to hang my acting boots. I'm not ready. I love that. And but. You know, photography's calling. I don't don't know what to do. And she said, and she probably doesn't know how much this meant to me, what she said and how much I've hung on to it, but she said, why do you have to choose? Just do both. And then it will, you know, organically you'll just gravitate to one more over the other. Just do both. You don't have to hang up your acting boots, but why not explore Mm. this path?
1: Which you already were doing. You just didn't realise Which I it. was,
2: but I was scared to officialize yeah. it because yeah. I was scared to go, I'm a photographer now. As well. I, I didn't want to turn my back. Well, actors are funny. Like we have this weird thing where it's like unless we're struggling and suffering and waiting tables, we're not real actors, you know. So I thought if I pursue something else and no one will think I'm an actor anymore. And it's funny, to this day I'll land an acting job and people will be like, I didn't know you were still acting. And I'll be like, yeah, I am. I, I am, but you know, everyone sort of sees me as Gemma Peanut now, you know, th- that kind of brand thing. But no, I very much still pursue it. So then I took Claire's advice and I and I went hard, and I really threw myself into it. And once I decided, that was it, that was the moment that I went cool. I really want to see where this takes me. still auditioning on the side, getting nowhere. <laughs> it's funny how you know, you want something so badly. And the other thing just sort of flows so organically. Like photography has just been the easiest road. Do you have a
1: love of photography?
2: Well, I I have a love of creative mediums. Like I loved art in school, so it's sort of a natural fit. And that was the other thing was it fulfilled me creatively. It's like if I wasn't acting and I wasn't given permission to act by producers, directors, casting agents, then at least this satisfied that
1: itch. Can you describe to me what photography is to you?
2: Oh, again, (laughs) there's that word again. It's storytelling. And Mm. it's really funny because- Through pictures. Through pictures. And it's funny. I have this, what I call my year of yes, which was the year I decided, cool, I'm going to do this and I'm going to enter the world of photography and I'm going to say yes to everything. And I said yes to event photography. Okay, just stop there because that's really
1: important. Can I ask you this? When you say you said yes to everything, every time you had an opportunity to fulfill being a photographer, you took that opportunity. Is that what said? Yep. Is that what you mean? In other words, if someone said, look, I, my budget's really low. I've only got 250 bucks. Oh, yeah. Done. Done. It's really important, isn't it? Because these people, I think, these people who stand back and say, no, 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 that's not my rate. My rate is, I'm not going to do that shit job or I'm not going to travel across the country to do that job or interstate, yeah. but you still did it. You, you, you you applied like a spray technique. I think when you're starting off a business, Mm -hmm. that spray technique is really important.
2: Oh, because the best thing in my year of yes was actually, I learned what kind of photography I don't want to do. Yep. And then I could finesse and fine tune. And I learned in that year that I didn't want to do fashion photography. I shot a lot of bloggers, a lot of bloggers. I didn't want to do event photography. I shot like a Domino's pizza event down in Bondi and learned very quickly that that just wasn't my bag. Um, I learned that what I love to photograph are people in their environment sharing their story. So that covers weddings and family portraits and personal branding portraiture.
1: Personal branding means what, for example? Okay,
2: so I photograph a lot of people in the health and wellness industry, whether they're life coaches, yoga instructors, people who are their own brand. So they're a small business themselves and they need photos, whether it's for their social media or website. And I love meeting those people, hearing and learning of their stories and capturing their essence. Whereas when I was sort of in the fashion industry shooting
1: there's no story.
2: I, I just felt, and I didn't like being um, micromanaged. Yeah, but also
1: there's no story. There yet.
2: wasn't a story. You know yeah, I mean, they yeah. were hired.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's, there's, because, you, because when you, you get given a script, there's a story. Yeah. I mean, you know the and story And I don't want to shit
2: on that industry no, because no, no, I know it, there's, you know. No,
1: no, well, there's also a lot of people in there too. Absolutely. It's heavily competed for. Totally. So but you're, but what's interesting about this is uh, you, when you're given a script for a part there's a story about the character. Yeah. Um, here there's a story about the character in the business you're in as mm-hmm. opposed to, say, for example, fashion. You're yep. just photographing a dress or an outfit and there's exactly. no real story. Yeah. Here you, you, you like the idea of the story. So we're going back to storytelling again. Yeah. So can I ask you this? When you Let's say personal branding because that that's an interesting one for me. When you are shooting personal branding jobs, yep. um, do you actually sit down and do a brief from the subject, the person who's giving you the job. Yeah, and that's... understand to understand the story and then try to help them express their personal brand? A hundred
2: percent. So we you, have it... conversations about what is your brand. Um and you know, I there's terms thrown around like um, I want some photos to cover the sort of professional side. So I want to dress in more sort of like a power suit and it's like I'm a businesswoman. Or it's, I want to show that I'm soft and approachable and that I'm your best friend so that my clients come to me knowing that I'm not intimidating, that I'm here for them. So then that sort of is achieving a different vibe. Okay,
1: can I, so can I ask you a question now? Yeah. Um, if you go back to when you were 18 and you were uh, in the Shakespeare, Bell Shakespeare um, company, Yeah. and uh, they said to you, look, you've got to play the part of, I don't know, whoever, Macbeth or or whoever, yeah. you have to dress up like a bloke. Um, did they brief you the same way? They say this is his character. Did oh. you get briefed on the character, or did you do your own brief? Or how did that no, work? No,
2: no, you. I mean, when you audition, the moment you audition for a play, yep. you're putting your stamp on how you interpret that. Does character. someone sit
1: with you though, sort of no, say, "Let's work through absolutely it." Absolutely not. So when you go, did you take? Have you taken that skill that you learnt during all that period and right through neighbours, et cetera, Have you taken that skill, that uh, understanding of the character? Right through to today, um, your clients, mm-hmm. you sit with them and you work out what their story is, what the characteristics and/or virtues of that particular individual are, in order to express that properly in the photograph. Yes. You, so you've taken the same skills. Effectively, you learnt yeah. as an actor. <laughs> yeah. Right through to today.
2: Again, this is so unconscious. Like you're actually. <laughs>
1: no, but this normal. No, this but is you're normal right. success. Yep. This is what successful people do, whether it's consciously or unconscious, subconsciously, whatever the word is. This is what they do yeah. because that's why it's important. You've got to learn those skills when you're younger mm-hmm. so that you can express the, the same outcomes using those skills but in a different industry. You're in a different industry but you're doing the same shit. Yeah, yeah. It's totally the same stuff. Yeah, it is. And that's why you're not doing – that's not why you're not photographing dresses. You're photographing individuals because your skill is about people. Your skill is about telling the story of that individual. Yeah. Understanding just like you did when you understood all the various characters and all the plays you were doing a long, long time ago that's sort of really important to people because people express these things in different ways. I mean, you might have someone who's currently 22, who's working in a law firm yep. and specializing in, I don't know, internet law or something. I don't know what it is. And one day in 10 or 15 years time, they might be in a completely different industry, but the skills that they learned back then, they're now going to be expressing in 15 years time in some of the business that they decide to get into. And this journey that you've taken, is. is it's a great example of how – because, I mean, th- I first – when I first saw saw the brief for you to take coming in today, I thought I – actor, yeah, blah, blah, blah. You know, she's running a, a great little Instagram business and uh, social media business teaching people how to photograph and helping people to do that. Um, but as it's sort of unfolding, I'm seeing all this richness inside of this as a great story to all our listeners about how you take some skills and turn it into a business. And yes. uh, and you've
2: got to trust that. Everything you've learnt is in there.
1: Totally. Because yeah.
2: people are terrified to have career changes, yeah. especially if you've poured everything into one path. But
1: it's not a career change, it's just a pivot.
2: Absolutely.
1: And that's what you did. Yes. You said, fuck it, I'm going to just, I'm okay. I'll, I'll do both Yeah. and just see which one rises yes, at the top. Exactly.
2: And, and I often say that to people who are thinking of pivoting just give something a crack. Throw things against the wall and see what sticks. What have you got to lose? You're not happy where you currently are, so just give it a go. Well,
1: you can't, yeah, and sometimes you've got to sort of say, I'm not going to survive in this environment. You've got to make that call. But what have I learned so far that actually will help me survive in some Mm -hmm. other environment? What other environment can I go to? Mm. And you're, so just, I I want to quickly tell the audience, for those of our audience who don't know what you actually are doing now, so Gemma (laughs) Peanut, so tell me what it actually does. Tell me your business model.
2: Yeah, so my business model is I'm in the online e-learning space.
1: So let's just expand that now because you start off photography but now you're in e-learning so you've gone to the next level. You've pivoted a little bit again.
2: Yeah, and the way that I work in business is I'm very much guided by what's presented to me. So for me it was shooting and then suddenly getting contacted by people saying, can I shadow you? Can I learn from you? Can I be your assistant? I'll come and assist for free and suddenly i found real joy in taking someone under my wing and showing them the ropes to the industry because i was there myself once not that long ago not knowing a thing and then i always say to people the learning trajectory with photography can be so steep and fast like you can really latch onto this and just go with it you don't need a degree you don't need to take 3 years out of your life you can Start this now. Get on with it and get cracking.
1: Because you can learn the skills as opposed to the, as opposed to the theory. Yeah. It's about skills.
2: Absolutely. I always say to people, just get out there and shoot. Every single shoot, you will learn something new. To this day, I still learn from every single so
1: shoot. So you you're running a, a, an online learning environment yes. for people who want to be. Give, give me the you know ten words.
2: Okay. Um. Well, it's a online photography course for beginner and enthusiast photographers. The interesting thing was when I created this course, I really just wanted to unpack a camera because a camera is so technical and it kind of broke my heart to see how many people invested all this money into cameras to shoot in automatic mode. And I thought, oh man, you're just relying on auto and you're in no control of the outcome of your images. Everyone needs to shoot in manual. But people are terrified of manual because they, they think it's a bunch of maths when you talk about shutter speeds and fractions and stuff. So I thought, well, how can I make it palatable and easy because there is an easy way of learning photography um, that isn't maths based or technical based. So I created this course because I felt like women, you know, I'm exposed to a lot of women through my Instagram were like, it's so technical. I did a photography course and I walked out, you know, with my head exploding with maths and I was like, who are these people teaching photography? This is a visual medium. So I decided to create an online course for beginners but I guess the thing that's really blown my mind now since running this in 2016 is how many students I've had complete the course who have gone on to have really flourishing and fruitful careers. So, what, so
1: so, how do I get on? What's the course called?
2: So the course is called Photography 101 Photo- with Gemma uh, Peanut. Uh, yep. Online? It's all it's, online. So how do you
1: do it? Through webinars or, or is it um, uh, course coursework?
2: No, it's coursework. So yeah. it's module-based. So
1: like, like, so like a person who wants to do this, they yep. go on to on, what's, so the, what's Gemma it called?
2: GemmaPeanut.com. Gem, okay, so
1: GemmaPeanut.com. Yep. So they go online, they pay the money.
2: Well, okay, so there's two types of online courses. You've got evergreen courses mm. Or you've got enrollment-based courses, and I knew I wanted to do an enrollment-based course, so my course happens at certain times. So have intakes, yeah, I have. So like
1: semesters or quarters or whatever, yeah. Yeah. And how long does the course go for?
2: It goes for four weeks. So four-week course. Yep.
1: And you're probably running these. How many times a year running running them? So
2: three times. Three times a year. Times served, year yep. You've got
1: trimesters. So and you have an intake like an unlimited intake. No, or no, because I'm take? so
2: hands on. Yep. It has to be limited. So yep. this is. It's been really interesting, sort of making all these choices because people have said to me, "Why don't you just make the course evergreen?" And so people, and yeah, you know, yeah, then you have this passive. Anytime, yeah. You have this passive income, and I'm like, well, that's not what I'm in it for. I actually love connecting with people and building a community, and I think. You know, the completion rate of online courses is actually 5%, which mm. I thought, that is terrible. Mm. How can I fix that? And for me, I realized that people want access to me. Yeah. So, yes, you can buy any old course online and get access to that person through training videos, but you're not actually getting access so to do them. You have,
1: do you actually give them access? Do you, like, have a day where you say we all meet up?
2: N- no, I don't because I teach all over the world. So right. my students okay, come impossible. from the yeah. UK, Europe. I have a lot of American students, Australians. So, but where I'm very active and present is in the Facebook group. Community. Right, okay.
1: So you're doing Facebook Live. You, you, yeah, so I do
2: videos. And is it a closed community? Or? Yeah, it's yeah, closed. Yeah. It's only for the students. Yeah. So each intake has their own classroom, Yep. which is wonderful.
1: And what does a class look like?
2: Well, it's again, it's really funny, like... 98% of the students who enroll with me are women.
1: Yeah, and but they all turn up to the Facebook live sessions, are they all?
2: I don't do Facebook questions? live sessions actually. I do recorded videos. So okay, when for right example on. we complete module 1 yep. week there's a lot of recurring questions, and yeah, yeah, I sort yeah. of notice a theme, and then I'll get on and answer those via video. Yeah, okay, got and that. Send it out.
1: Yep, yep, I understand. Yeah. so it's not like live Q and A um, where people are typing up the questions as you're sort of standing there in front of a no, a video camera. because
2: I I have I have flexible working hours, yep. so people just ask me questions in the group, and then I'll spend a couple of hours every day just responding to. Yeah, those. that's
1: great. And uh, so, what numbers are you like? You're you teaching hundred students a year. What are you doing?
2: Yeah. Oh. So each class intake is 120 students.
1: So you're doing three of those a year. Yeah. Wow. And that's a great business. I mean, how do you feel A 34? I mean, what's interesting about this too, by the way, you know, you said earlier, you came to a conclusion you would have to give up your acting career and at the same time you could do photography, which is something you really loved, both of which. Now what you are, what's interesting right now is you've come to the same conclusion you're now pregnant. This is your first child or second child? Second. Second child. So you're a mum, you're, you're uh, halfway through your pregnancy, so you don't even have to give up that as well as doing uh, no. your, your e-learning uh, environment as well. So you're yep. doing double things. I guess you're still available to be an actor as well.
2: Well, not currently. Not with currently. The baby. But gen- it's with funny, I theory. just pulled out of a show, which was my dr- one of my dream jobs, because I'm pregnant. And uh, But you're
1: doing three things. So the point is, there is there's no limits. There's no, no limitations. Yeah, yeah. You can keep doing stuff. Absolutely. As opposed to saying, oh, shit, I don't, I don't want to give that away because I'm just going to do this. You're not giving anything anyway. Everything's yeah. still open.
2: Well, that's a funny thing, right? If I was just doing acting because I was booked in to do an STC show, um, which is Sydney Theatre Company at the end of this year, and then I sort of fell pregnant. This is a whoops baby. It wasn't entirely planned, and I had to pull out of that show. Now, if that was my only sort of income, I would have been like, oh, God. Crap, like you know, I'm losing yeah, money, darling. I can't work because I'm pregnant. But you know, thankfully, I'm in a situation where I can continue to just work.
1: While well, yeah, I, I I found this, uh, with greatest respect, I found this, uh, interview much more interesting than I originally <laughs> thought it was going to be. <laughs> Do you but know that, what, Mark? No, I'm just pretty honest. I was going to
2: say, I'm really happy to hear that because considering <laughs> sort of the guests that you've had on this show, yeah, yeah. I was a little bit intimidated. No, no, I, I was fucking like, cool. I, you know, but like I'm, it's totally
1: cool, like, because yeah, it's all that sort of gritty stuff that you're talking about, and uh, um, and I don't know much about you, to be honest, because I never watch Neighbours. I don't. It's not my go. But like, this has been really interesting. I mean, because I, I think there's so much richness in all the stuff you're talking about, and people can get a lot of this, lot of stuff out of all this. Like, it's and it can be equally applied, as I said earlier, to boxing or anything you want. Yeah. Um, your journey. I always give everybody an opportunity to ask me a question because I've been doing asking all the bloody questions here. Yeah. Have you got a question for me?
2: Yes. What is it? I do. And I don't know if this is a trivial question, but I'm just going to ask you anyway. Yeah, yeah, go for um, it. Um, in your experience, have you, how am I going to phrase this? Um,
1: be delicate now. <laughs>
2: no, I guess my question is to do with plagiarism and copycat sort of behavior in the industry. Obviously creating an online course is not unique. Lots of people are doing it. I believe you are. You mm-hmm, have, mm-hmm. Um, I've sort of had a situation, it's happened to me a couple of times, where people have lifted my entire website. Um,
1: Whoa. Yeah. The, high, the high.
2: I mean, I'm not talking a sentence here or there. I'm talking whole paragraphs and I think I find it hard not to take it personally because everything I do, I do with my heart and soul and every word written on my website I've poured over. And <laughs> interestingly, on two occasions, it's by people that I actually know. Right. And I've... I, I guess my question for you is how do you navigate that like emotionally or maybe you you really keep business as business and you take emotion out of it, but wh- how do you handle that?
1: Okay, well, you'll know the answer to this once I tell you because you're better at this than most. I act, okay? <laughs> okay. So, and my act, the character that I become is as follows. One, I never take a person emotionally.
2: Mm, I knew you were going to say that.
1: Never. And if I feel really pissed off and filthy about it, I put it in the hands of my lawyers, and my lawyers will crush them like straight onto them. Particularly if it's local. If it's not local, if it's overseas, that's a bit more difficult. Then I don't bother about it. But I back myself to be able to run my business better than anybody who wants to copy it. So I just take the view: if if there's if I can't stop it, then I'm going to have to lift. I'm going to have to go to the next level. I'm only, and I think in business, you're only as good as your last win so you've got to be better the next time around. So if someone lifts something out of there, you know that old saying, you know, the greatest form of admiration is emulation. Someone is actually admiring you and they're taking something from your environment. You either step on them straight away, get someone else to do that, and you don't get involved in that, and you continue on with your work, or if you can't stop that and it's taking business from you, you've got to lift, go to the next level. You've got to lift to the standard and do something even better again. And that's business. Yeah. And so that's acting too. Mm-hmm. It's everything in life. You always have to be better than the last time you did it if somebody comes up close to you. If I'm the greatest runner in the country and then there's someone, you know, 100-metre sprinter and someone comes up really close to me, I have to get better than that individual. Even if I won the last race, it was irrelevant. If I got some young person or some new person coming to yeah. threaten my position as the best, then I have to lift my game and get to the next level. Yeah. Now, it's hard for someone like me at my age you know, because it's, it requires a lot of stuff, you know, a yeah. lot of things, youth, energy, blah, blah, blah. But I have the benefit of experience, yeah. which is uh, maybe some people call it wisdom. So <laughs> I have this, I have this benefit and I've got bluff. I can bluff people. Okay. But in your environment, you just have to use, I mean, you do have, to some extent you do have wisdom because, I mean, you're young, but you're old, if you know what I mean, in your industry, mm-hmm. in your game. Particularly storytelling, you're very advanced in storytelling, the art of storytelling. You have more experience and more skill than most other people are going to try and lift from you. But if someone's tapping at your heels, man, you just have to go to the next level. And then if there's a problem, hand it over to someone who's going to jump all over them. Because, I mean, it's – and that means cease and desist and letters, et cetera. Yeah. I mean, you have to spend a bit of money. If you don't want to spend money, if you don't want to get caught up in that environment, then just let it go. Yeah. Don't get caught up in the emotion. This is just business. Yeah, you've got a job to do. Get down to doing that job. That job is not worrying about someone who's tapping <laughs> at your heels. It's getting to the next level.
2: That's just awesome. take
1: take them to a position where they can't <laughs> fucking go.
2: Yeah, and it's funny that you say that because I will say sort of the recent, most recent time that this has happened, it did light a fire under my ass. Yeah, I went cool. Well, how can I counter that? What can I deliver so they can't, literally, cannot keep up with me that yeah. I move at such a pace? Yeah, correct. And um, if they
1: and if, and if you if you get to the next level and they're going to copy again or you're going you're going to have you're, you're, you're <laughs> setting standards mm. that should be your business sense yeah. I'm here to set a standard and if others are going to follow me they steal or otherwise it's normal that's just normal business success you get things stolen from you all the mm-hmm. time. Lift the standard yeah I love that Take it a place where they're not used to going to you know really drill down hard on them.
2: Challenge accepted.
1: (laughs) Good on you, Gemma. That was fantastic. I really loved it.
2: Thanks, Mark. So so nice to meet you. Thank you. And good luck
1: with the next 20 weeks or so.
2: Thank you.